Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo, Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen. Hello and welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, IGN's Nintendo podcast. This week we will be talking about disappointing Nintendo games and the games you should play instead, awesome Monster Hunter Rise sales, and why digital games will dominate physical game releases quite soon, according to analysts. I'm your host, Casey DeFridis, and this week I am joined by Rebecca Valentine. Hi, Casey. Hello, Per Snyder. Hello. And Zach Ryan. What's up, every Monster Hunter? Hey, everyone. Is everyone a Monster Hunter here? I think so. Just, no. Ooh. No. 
No, Sorry. no to Rev. All right, get out. Your partner's trying. Your partner's trying. <laughs> I'm kidding. Don't get out. I'm lying. Please don't. Please stay. I need you here to talk about things like disappointing Nintendo games. Let's start it off with that. So the reason I wanted to talk about this topic is because we just got Harvest Moon One World, which Rebecca reviewed, and also Ball and Wonder World, which has disappointed a lot of people, including NBC regular Tom Marks, who did the review. And I kind of wanted to talk about some of our most disappointing Nintendo games because we have been getting that question asked often in Question Block as well. And to kick it off, I would like Rebecca to tell us a little bit about Harvest Moon One World and how it compares to Story of Seasons Pioneers of Town because we were not able to have you on the week that those reviews came out. Yeah. Well, uh, I've, I mean, I've been playing Harvest Moon games since the GameCube era, and I have gone back and played some of the older ones as well. And I... I love the series. Um, it's it's kind of if you don't quite know the history there, there was sort of a weird thing where Harvest Moon was one thing for a long time. It was made by developer Marvelous and published by Natsume. Natsume um, yeah. And then uh, Marvelous split off from uh, Natsume to continue making games without them as their publisher. But Natsume had the trademark to Harvest Moon. So the games that are Harvest Moon now are not made by the same developer as like the older Harvest Moon games. Um, that developer is now making Story of Seasons. And both of those companies came out with a new game, a new Harvest Moon and a Story of Seasons very recently. And I played and reviewed them both. And, you know, I think it's funny as someone who like Stardew Valley did just like this big thing to farming sims where now everything is measured up against Stardew Valley. And because we all loved Stardew Valley, it was so good. It was like the comprehensive idea of what we all wanted out of a game like this. And now... I, th- I think people who come straight from Stardew Valley into either series uh, feel a little bit let down because it's not quite the same. But, you know, I I played Harvest Moon One World and whew, uh, that game's rough. Uh, it it doesn't look good. Uh, there, there's like there's like this idea in there that I think is really cool of actually traveling or traveling around this world with a portable farm and setting it up in different spots and having the spot where you set it up in, you know, depend basically like, like, uh, do different things to the crops that you have. Um, and you know, you're closer, there's like different towns, you're closer to different towns, closer to different people. That idea sounds wonderful. It's fun. If someone made a really good game like that, I would really enjoy that. I think but it is just, it's really clumsy. It, it's bland and blank. Like, most of the characters are named things like Awkward Man. Like, they don't even <laughs> really have names. Uh, the, the writing is just boring. Everyone's just, like, super flat. Um, there's really, moving your farm around doesn't even really have an effect. I mean, it kind of has an effect on what you're growing. It makes it slightly easier or slightly harder to grow things. But it doesn't doesn't really do anything meaningful. The world's not interesting. It's just, it's just like a super big letdown. And... I, I think it's it's doubly a bummer because they tried to do something new and interesting with it. And I would have loved to see that idea blossom. Whereas Story of Seasons, Pioneers of Olive Town, is very much a Story of Seasons game. Inherit a grandfather's farm, move out there. It's covered in weeds and grass and trees and stuff. And you got to build up a farm. And there's the classic Story of Seasons, like lovely round fat cows. They're cute, <laughs> cute, cute, cute. Um, there's a town like right next door with all these people that you can get to know, you get married, you know, do all the things that you do in that kind of game. Um, and it's not, it's not like super innovative, but I, I don't know. I don't think it really needs to be like, it's, it's just fun and relaxing and chill. And it just, it, it it gives off the good brain chemicals that you get from kind of doing that loop over and over and over again. And I, I like some of the little things they've added. I like that. I like that the farm is so big. I like that there's, cause you keep like. 
You keep clearing new areas, and as you move deeper and deeper into the farm, you, like, discover new animals roaming around. You discover new things that you can grow, and I, I love the feeling of opening up a new area and all of a sudden having just this new bounty to pull in, and that was really cool. Um, I liked the characters. I think the right... The the writing for the townspeople is kind of boring, but the the characters in the cutscenes are all really good. The, the, the cutscenes are like very tongue in cheek. The localization is very silly at times, but I think it knows it's very silly. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just pleasant. It's not I mean, I don't think it reaches the heights of Stardew Valley, but I don't I don't expect like literally every game that comes out to do that. I think I think it's fine to have Stardew Valley over here and have Story of Seasons keep being what it is. And yeah, I don't know. It was it was lovely. I enjoyed it. It's way I, better than Harvest Moon. Yeah, I <laughs> I, f- I fell off the, the Harvest game train with Stardew Valley, and I, I go back all the way to, you know, on the Super NES, uh, played Bokojo Monogatari, which is, the, which, which is Harvest Moon in the U.S. then. Uh, by the way, in Japan, it's not confusing at all because the titles never change, right? Like right, Marvel yeah. still makes the Bokojo games and everybody buys those, and then the American Harvest Moon are, the games are completely different. But um, no, the moment Stardew Valley happened, that's like one of those points where... You know, you've seen these farming games year after year, and they're always very confined. And then Stardew Valley just kind of busts through that and adds these additional elements. And then it's hard to go back when, you know, things get smaller sized. Um, I will say Marvelous was always really cool at taking something simple and peaceful and then marrying it with RPG mechanics. I don't know if you ever played the, uh, it's called, in Japan, it's called Kawano Nushitsuri. And it's a, it's uh, got localized here as Legend of the River King. And it's basically they took fishing, they took fishing and then they turned that into an RPG. So you have a big map and like, you know, golf, golf story is doing something similar with um, sports. Like I want to see the, the, you know, story of seasons kind of taking more of that RPG route and really kind of bust out of the seams. Well, Marvelous also does a game called Rune Factory. Yeah, there you go. I was waiting for it. I was, I knew that we couldn't make it out of this combo without a Rune Rune Factory drop from Casey. No, they're good. They're good at it. And I played the new Harvest Moon. I played at a convention that, ages ago. Remember conventions? Oh, wow. And no. <laughs> I, I, I was just shocked. It like it, it was like, it was like a flash game at the time. Like it just doesn't mm. feel like Harvest Moon like it no. used to. And it's a bait and switch. I wish they found a competent, great developer. You know, there's some yeah. awesome indies out there who could take the Stardew Valley formula and make it a real good harvest moon as a as a card carrying awkward man myself i (laughs) like i appreciate that harvest moon is out there calling their characters like they see him you know like i feel seen (laughs) by that game just as like an awkward man so oh it's just like so it makes everybody when everybody is an adjective person like it's just everyone's so unmemorable everyone like everyone who's not a bachelor or bachelorette or like one or two other named folks uses the same like basically really flat like boring models like they they their only function is to ask you to bring me five bell peppers mm-hmm. and then you do except it's really hard to find them because they will just disappear and reappear out of it instead of like walking around a town like with the schedule they will just vanish when they're not supposed to be in a spot anymore it is it is amazing to like run up to someone with here i brought you your pepper and then they're just gone like uh no it's it's not good no st- uh, story of seasons is good it's solid i don't and i actually have um by the time this goes up, the article should be up too because it's going up um, this afternoon. But I have um, an interview um, with uh, Nakano, who's the director of Pioneers of Olive Town, um, sort of talking about how this is the 25th anniversary of Story of Seasons, um, you know, and sort of reflecting on the series and how 
it is really not changed in concept over the last 25 years, but it has it has had subtle changes along the way. Um, and he says that he thinks that the biggest shift has been kind of a move from the original Harvest Moon being kind of a more serious, like challenging management sim of sorts to a more of an emphasis on player freedom. Um, and I like player choice and things like that. And we we talked a little bit about, you know, Story of Seasons. I, I mean, it's taken way too long, I think, but the franchise is now committed to, like, you know, having queer relationships be available as an option in its games. And the character creator, like, allows for a whole lot more personal choice and and how you express yourself. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, I think that's really cool. I think that's nice. I know Stardew Valley did that, like, five years ago, but change is hard and slow sometimes, and I am glad to see it here. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, thank you so much for that evaluation. I'm looking forward to that article. Sounds very interesting. And also, because Tom isn't here to talk about it, Ball and Wonder World came out last week, and Tom did do a review, and here's what he had to say. All the charm in the universe couldn't save Ball and Wonder World's half-baked platforming and ill-advised one-button design from being a complete bore, and gave it a 4 out of 10. This is a 3D platformer from former Sega team producer Yuji Naka and Sonic the Hedgehog character artist Naoto um, Oshiba. And I also played Ball and Wonder World for a couple of hours last night and i honestly for one of the first times ever i don't think i really agree with tom i think ball and wonder world was actually very charming and very cute um it had these i don't know if you saw them in the in the intro there but there are these things called um this miranda (laughs) (laughs) there are these things there are these things called tims and they're these little like chicky fluffy birds that hatch out of eggs and you feed them the gems that you collect and tom said that he got really bored of feeding them because it was more hassle than it's worth and i don't know who could look at those cute little faces and say that's too much hassle to give them the gems and honestly i i think it's actually pretty good i think people should play this game just ignore all the terrible reviews and go play ball in wonder world because i think it's wow. worth it that is a it hot take casey Damn, I was I was not expecting that. Like the first costume you get turns you into a dragon. And who needs oh, to jump when you can play oh, play into a dragon? Now we understand. Okay. Hey, have you exactly. seen the have you on, seen the you box in. fox go, thing going around? Yeah, I think that is an awesome, amazing gameplay mechanic. I mean, it just really makes you think about how you need to use it and when you need to put it on. Because if you do it wrong, then you fail. You just need to get good, and then Balan Wonderworld won't be bad. <laughs> So I'm okay. I'm now worried that the reason this game is good is because it has a dragon costume, though. Yeah. So let's also get Rebecca. a tornado wolf. Rebecca, okay. if you don't know this thing about Casey, um, any game with a dragon, ten out of ten. Like uh, any game that lets you be a dragon, twelve out of ten. Yeah. So, all right. All right. She hated these game of the year uh, discussions at the end of this year, where Casey's just screaming. Balan Wonder World. Actually, a Monster yeah. Hunter game came out this year, so I take it back. It'll be Monster <laughs> yeah, Hunter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're just fine. Kidding. But that's I've you know I've been on the fence with this game. Like I I get the the character design, everything looks really cute. But I watched um Tom's um Tom's review, and he talks about how like the powers you gain, which is something that we've seen in Nintendo games, and you know especially Rare's games like Banjo Kazooie, the the whole franchise. We've seen that before, right? Like you get some sort of transformation, and you get to open up new areas and all of that. And he said they're just kind of wasted, like they're. The powers you gain are just boring. <laughs> he just uh, turned into a box. <laughs> Rebecca's face at looking at that. How is also, that fun? Um, I, I thank you all for respecting me so much to just believe my opinion and respect that. But April Fools, 
just kidding. I, I believe Tom and his review. Thank you for going along with that. <laughs> Zach is like... <laughs> Casey did a fake out, you guys. Wow. Um, Casey got us so good, and she thinks this game is butts. Oh, this, is, <laughs> this is like when Rebecca told us she didn't dress up as Mario today. Hair. Hair. We're talking you about said that. you weren't going to bring that up during the show. Oh, April Fool's. Uh, <laughs> Casey, you really got us. Damn. That was really Y'all good. Y'all brought me on here just to clown. Dude. Did you actually play the game? I did. I played it. Okay. I played it for like two and a half hours last night, and I, uh, I cursed a lot. I said, <laughs> I said, what the heck? But in worse words, when Casey, some Casey stuff hit happened. me up. Casey but, hit me up yesterday because we were going. We were talking about what the show is going to be about this week, and she was like, "Oh, we're going to talk about Balan Wonderworld. Have you played it?" And I was like, "No." <laughs> Are you going to play it? And I was like, "No." Also, no. <laughs> Um, but no, I played I played the demo. Um, yeah, there are a lot of really questionable uh, design choices like that Tom pointed out in the review, like mapping everything to the same button. Why? So. So many of the costumes, they do something like the dragon costume that shoots fire, but it can't jump. So you mm-hmm. cannot progress without that. And I- then there's so much of other levels that you would would be so much easier if you had this certain kangaroo costume from a different level however you can't easily go from one level to another you have to finish the level and then go back to the other one get the costume finish that level and then go i mean it's just it's a game that is trying to tell you to backtrack to get all the trophies and get all the things and all the collectibles but makes it so difficult and frustrating to do that it's padded it's padded right they, <laughs> yeah. they want they want it to be longer and they don't consider the the, the player that's a bummer like i I'm, want i want naka to have another hit right that's like the thing i like the character too the character yeah. is really cool the but, trailers all look so wonderful and flashy like if you just showed me the trailer with literally no other context i'd be like yeah that looks wonderful like like cool beautiful weird rare trippy great but yep. the second you read literally anything about how it actually is to play or the second you seemingly play it for more than like five minutes, it just kind of falls apart. Yeah. I'm, so, I'm with pair. I'm with pair on this. Like, I, it's so disappointing that this is coming from Yuji Naka for folks that don't know. Yuji Naka is like Sega's Miyamoto. He created um, Sonic the Hedgehog. He did Billy Hatcher. He made all these like uh, nights into dreams, like all these great, you know, Sega games. Um, but he's not really made a hit game in a while. And I like Rebecca, like I love the idea of a 3d, like a psychedelic 3d platformer. Like, let's go, like, let's get weird. Mm. But it's such a bummer that this is, has been so, so panned. And I was, I was playing monster hunter with Tom last night and Tom pointed out, Casey, you were streaming your playthrough of Balan Wonderworld, mm-hmm. And Tom pointed out that more people were watching you stream that game than were playing that game on steam. Oh, <laughs> it's, not only, it's not only a critical flop, but it's also like, commercially it's not doing anything either and like it's oh, no. because like yuji naka is, is a legend you know like it it's it sucks they didn't yeah. have faith in it they didn't send review copies ahead it's of time also and all that, it's also so. like you can have a great director on a project but it's also up to the team that you put him with and this is um i Bummer. think they're called our zest and they also did like hey pikmin and a couple of other like mediocre games so not a really super skilled team coming into this this project like I don't know, man. 
Play Hats in Time instead. Ooh, Hat in Time is very good. Mm-hmm. The speedruns of this at GDQ here in like six months or a year or whatever are going to be real fun, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there there are quite a few other 3D platformers that you should play instead, like Mario Odyssey. But if you want oh. something really... I know. But if you're looking for something nostalgic, there's actually a, a, a 3D like mascot platformer coming out this week. Um, it's a just... Tie the Tasmanian Tiger to Bush Rescue HD. And actually, uh, that game has like a nine on Steam. So, hey, probably better than Bell and Wonderworld. But yeah, sorry, Tom, that you weren't here to talk about that. And thank you all for for falling for my uh, terrible terrible goof. (laughs) 10 out of 10 goof. Wow, that was really good. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah. Appreciate that. So now that we've talked about the most recent disappointing Nintendo games, I wanted to open it up and ask if there are any other games that you were disappointed by and what you should play instead. Um, Zach, why don't we start with you? Um, Yeah, so I kind of went with a more recent example. Um, I think one of the ones that kind of pops to my mind is um, Kirby Star Allies when that came out for Switch. Um, Kirby's had like a really interesting career. Uh, just in terms of the quality of his games. I mean, not necessarily uh, uh, Kirby's actual jobs, but I just think like Kirby (laughs) games have kind of, you know, there's been an ebb and flow in in quality of those games. And I was really looking forward to Star Allies. Um, And it's honestly like, it's a pretty rote platformer. Like it's, it's even as a Kirby game, it doesn't do like a ton of interesting stuff. And the multiplayer angle is like kind of cool, but doesn't work really great for the most part. And um it, it, I think it was especially disappointing coming off the heels of uh, Planet Robobot. Yes, thank is you. Like, and we've talked about it on the show before, but like Planet Robobot is not only like it, the qualifier is like, oh, it's a really great Kirby game. It's a great game, period. Like that game absolutely yeah. rips. And I feel like not a lot of people talk about it. And so good. So by comparison, I feel like Star Allies was a big step backwards for the franchise um and that's what disappointed me about it um so yeah that's my choice for most disappointing and play instead robobot if you have the opportunity to do so cool um pair what about you um i'll leave one of those titles to rebecca but for me seeing some classics return from sega and nintendo consoles and then not seeing them deliver on the switch was a major bummer one of them was panzer dragoon remake uh, you know, obviously, Panzer Dragoon, there are two split series there. There's a Saga RPG, and then there's the classic, which was Sega's answer to Star Fox, really. And I don't know, maybe just that that linear shooter genre, maybe it just has outstayed its welcome. And, you know, obviously, Star Fox has played with different mechanics in order to escape that kind of more linear, traditional shmup turn 3D setup. But, like, I was... I was just baffled how bland and boring it is to play remake. And it's like, then you start second guessing yourself and you're wondering, wait, was the original that bland and you just forgot or games have moved on? And there's some truth to that. Um, (laughs) It's not, it's not ugly. It's, you know, it it seems competently made. It has, you know, interesting mechanics that go beyond the, the original Star Fox games where you can like turn sideways and shoot to the sides, but it's just kind of like, just kind of boring. And then similarly, Cooking Mama came back on the Switch and there were all these conspiracies about that game was hacking your brain and putting microchips into your arm and all of that stuff. But in the end, it's just not a very good adaptation of Cooking Mama. And what is so frustrating about that, Cooking Mama was always a very kind of like a small franchise 
you started to play it and you went, oh man, that's really charming. Like the character was charming, the tasks were charming, and it was very, very different at a time when everybody made shooters and platformers. And then on Switch, you've got all these awesome tools built into your controllers, into the system from IR to 3D rumble and all of that. Monster Hunter Joy-Con. Yeah. Um, and um, all of that all of that stuff built in and then Cooking Mama is just like the most boring implementation of the mechanics. Like it's just, it's just not well made. And like, Not as good as Mama. Yeah, no. not better than Mama. Not better and than I, Mama, that's what it was. They should have, they, they could have done so much with it and it could have been similar to how like Astro on PlayStation 5 demos the PlayStation controller. Cooking Mama should have been the game to really use the Joy-Con well, and it just didn't. Yeah. Me. Well, hey, you can always play that one steak cooking mini game in Mario Party. Super Mario Which Party. Is better than anything <laughs> in Cooking Mama. Like the, the <laughs> frying, it also yeah. looks so delicious. Oh, yeah, it does. Always good. I'm getting hungry. Yeah. Uh, Pear and I and Tina played that game that demo at gamescom 2018 i think and we were absolutely dying over that that steak like (laughs) searing and flipping like we were having such a good time i think we played it like two or three times during that demo (laughs) it's a good it's a good one and one of the only mini games that you can play online in super mario party but I guess I'll I'll make that a segue because I was gonna say what a great transition. (laughs) Um well my I have a rule to help me not be disappointed by things, and that's to have no expectations for anything or anyone. And then you can't be disappointed. Your life will be so much better. Um, (laughs) But I did have expectations for Mario Party, because I figured Mario Party's gonna go to Mario Party. It's gonna be what you expect and i guess i completely missed the memo that mario party 9 was bad and mario party 10 would be similar because i bought mario party 10 for the wii u expecting the classic mario party experience and uh then i found me and my friends to be in a car in a linear map where we had no control and no strategy and i was upset i can't very i still still can't believe that got made like the what is more fun than a board game already the board game was slow and then you don't even get the choice of paths i feel like they don't understand the reason why everybody loves the original mario party i mean the original mario party was not good in it didn't age well in many ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, wearing out the palm of your hand, uh, rolling it to do the, those mini games was was not good. But you know, it I don't know. It was like it was simple and it was also like aggressive in a playful way. And they just I feel like they haven't really recaptured that vibe since the the first few games. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to I add too say, much stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say like I would maybe play super mario party instead but honestly i don't think a mario party has been great since some of the ones on the gamecube and earlier so i i like super i i think it's not it's not amazing like the thing that needs to happen is somebody who's designing these games needs to say how can i make all the junk as fast as possible right like it's (laughs) just Anytime you wait on something, you're not having fun unless you're in the same room and, and drinking beers and, and whatnot, right? And like somebody needs to speed it up. But I will say that Super Mario Party was a return into the right direction. And some of the stuff was really fun. Um, we, should, we should get together sometime when we're not poisonous and play it. Yes. No, Super, I, like, Super Mario Party is not a bad 
game and it's a much better Mario Party game than Mario Party 9 and Mario Party 10. I had a lot of fun with it. I think I played it for probably played it for like 50 or 60 hours. Oh, jeez. I, I so like much partying. I know, but I, I like I, I like playing <laughs> I like playing with my friends. Um, Mario Party 10, on the other hand, I played literally one time and never picked it up mm. ever again. I played it for one night. <laughs> And I was like, that's not worth revisiting. And I just never went back to it. Real bummer of a game. It has some good mini games. Welcome back, Zach. Yeah, welcome uh, back. I have to, I, I owe you all an apology. Um, I was trying to Google something about Mario Party <laughs> and I went to tab over and accidentally hit quit. <laughs> and I quit Discord and then Discord restarted and installed several updates. Ooh. And the whole time I was panicking a little bit. Like, oh no, I've been, and then for some reason it just dropped me right back into the conversation. Very strange. Hit, con- hit, uh, hit command W to level up, Zach. Rule, rule, number, <laughs> okay. rule number one, do not multitask during mm-hmm. the pod. I apologize, y'all. No Very worries. Sorry. So, yeah, that was, that was probably my biggest disappointment. I, I wanted to maybe mention Octopath Traveler, but it's kind of like a hindsight thing because I really liked it when I first started. It, it's, I don't, I really liked it when I first started it. I played it for maybe like 15 or 20 hours. I liked the character designs. The story was interesting. The graphics were really unique. The music was fantastic. I may have already said that. But then I just kind of stopped playing it because I lost interest and got bored. And It meandered. It looked good, right? Everything Mm -hmm. about it looked good. And then you kind of realized that it was overwritten and meandered a bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, similarly I was going to mention Mario Tennis Aces uh, Casey and like I feel the same way about that game right like that's something Mm -hmm. that I was like really jazzed for and at first I was like wow wow a great Mario Tennis game awesome Mm -hmm. but like I totally dropped off it I lost interest too and like obviously those are very different games but yeah I that's interesting that you said that yeah same same, similar uh, excitement and then fall off Mm -hmm. something are there any other good tennis games on the on the switch right now I would Probably. love it if they would. Per, I would love it if they would port like a Virtua Tennis. <laughs> that would we'll see good. what we'll see what Sports Story does. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Fun. oh that looks good. What yeah. was the, I know- uh, Rockstar Table Tennis would be a good one too. That was that good. Would, that would be a nice port. That was fun. That was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I know golf is not tennis, but we are getting Mario Golf soon. So hey, different. Golf is Mario not tennis. Game. You heard it here first. Yeah. Different different balls and everything. You even hit the balls with different kind of sticks. It's totally different. Um, sorry. Um, Rebecca, can you tell us about other games that maybe disappointed you a little bit for the Nintendo? Well, besides of games, speaking of games made by Camelot, as Mario hey. Golf is, <laughs> I will never pass up an opportunity to talk about Golden Sun on this podcast. And how, in this case, how much Dark Dawn disappointed <laughs> me. Oh my gosh. Uh, Golden Sun and Golden Sun The Lost Age, if you are not aware, are some of the best RPGs ever. Uh, they're both for the Game Boy Advance, a uh, wonderful game in its sequel. Uh, Absolutely fantastic games. Uh, Waited a very long time for a follow-up because The Lost Age does end on a bit of a cliffhanger. And uh, Camelot came out with Dark Dawn for the DS several years later, um, and it wasn't good. Uh, It tried to do the whole thing where it was telling the story of the children of the protagonists, and it somehow managed to give none of them, like, any real personality. Um, The plot 
it, it took place in the same world, like, not that long after. Like, I, I don't remember exactly how long after, but, like, like, 20, 30 years after the events of the first couple games. But, like, the world had just, like, 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 entire civilizations just now existed that hadn't existed before. Like, everything had just been completely, like, redone, and there wasn't a whole lot of visiting places that you had been before, which was sort of something that I think a lot of people wanted. Um, it was as as you all were talking. I mean, Gold, Golden Sun and Golden Sun: The Lost Age have a lot of writing, but Dark mm-hmm. Dawn was very overwritten. Lots of like this weird like Wikipedia style thing where you could like tap on different nouns to like open up a bunch of backstory of what happened in the original games. It was like wow. it was just it was just clunky and uh, it wasn't. Yeah, it was too much, and it, it didn't like manage to tell an interesting story at all, despite the first two doing a pretty good job of that. Um, and then it ended also on another cliffhanger, and we haven't heard about another game since. And I'm in this sort of weird limbo where I I don't know if I want another game if it's going to be like that, but I love the first two so much. I would really love, I I don't know, something, something golden sunny. Um, I, I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up. Paper Mario is back uh, hidden in, heading into the right direction, right? So Yeah, I, also, I don't know. I I played Golden Sun Dark Dawn having barely touched the first two Golden Sun on the Game Boy Advance. And I I liked Dark Dawn, but also I had no context from the previous Mm. games. I also didn't finish it, but that's also because I had to return the game because I was borrowing it. But (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's they they tried very hard to make it standalone from the first two. Yeah, that I think that was a good idea. But I think they. They, sim- they they tried to do two things at once. They tried very hard to make it standalone by giving people context, like through those little like entry things you could click on. But they also tried very hard to tie it back to the previous games in like a very close way by you know, children of the protagonists, you know, certain familiar references or landmarks or whatever. Um, and it ended up like they ended up doing neither successfully. It just ended up sort of crashing together and and not landing for me at all. What was um, Dark Dawn on? I don't even remember. DS. Oh, DS. It was on DS. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember that game at all. I I really loved the first one. And What's I played to a lot remember? Of the second one, but I what's mean, to remember? There you have it. There you have it. Um. Yeah. I think. I think probably the other one that I had mentioned that I I think Pear was going to mention earlier was One Two Switch. Um. That I love. I love the idea of that game, and for two hours, I loved that game. All of that tech when the Switch first came out, because I had I had that game for review when the Switch first mm-hmm. came out. All that tech was so cool and interesting. Like when you feel like like the little like like marbles like rolling around in your hand or the ice cubes or whatever that is, and the the like fizzy stuff and the the all the tactile stuff um, with the uh, with the vibrations. Um, it's all it's all really cool. Yeah. But it's like I said, it's cool for like two hours. There's absolutely no meat on the bones of that game. And it's, you know, it's like a full price game, right? Like mm-hmm. why there's just nothing to it. I invited some friends over. We played it for like an hour or two and then we had seen every game and that was that was it. That was the end of it. Mm-hmm. And so we just moved on to playing Jackbox because uh, yeah, there's nothing so else to do. That's a great example. It's like, I thought one to switch was going to be the Nintendo land or the Wii sports for yes. the console, right? Like the defining multiplayer experience, but like from the get go, it's just not set up to, to let you have fun as a group. Like even, even just like, it, it's just very, very clunky. And then, yeah, the ball counting mini game with the, with the Joy-Con, it's like, it's brilliant when you like feel how they use the rumble. Like it was such a great demo for the, the controllers, but it's just no 
depth in it. And like it, it's hard to hear in a party setting with a little switch speaker and yeah. all of that. It's just like, there's so many things that don't work and you constantly run into them that the few things that are really, really remarkable just kind of get drowned out. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish they would do a Nintendo Land though. Like do that. Oh, yeah. Land, that would know? be so awesome. Nintendo Land yeah. was fun. Yeah. I think the other thing that's disappointing about One Two Switch though is that that was really the that's really the only place you can experience that tech right now. Like really none. It, it it's popped up in little ways. Label. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Mario Mario Odyssey actually. I will given the opportunity. I will praise Mario Odyssey up and down for several of its levels implementing kind of the haptic feedback. And I remember I remember diving into the fizzy ocean with the Joy Cons in my hand and feeling. It felt the way I can imagine it feeling if I dived into dove, dive, dove, whatever, into a <laughs> I, I carbonated beverage Divin. and, f- and yeah. felt the fizziness around me like go. Yeah, yeah. Like like that was really cool. And then the the wa- the other water level with the zippers, the way the zippers would unfurl and you could feel uh-huh. that. Yep. I, yep. Yeah. It was it was small. And if you were just playing through it and being excited, you might not notice it. But I remember feeling that and going, oh, this is like what was in one, two switch. But I really haven't seen it in any other game. And that is also deeply disappointing. Sony is sadly doing it better now, you know, like, <sighs> seriously. Nintendo. I'm, yeah. I'm also honestly terrible at noticing when HD Rumble is happening. Like, I know that Monster Hunter Rise has HD Rumble. But when someone asked me that after I had played for 50 hours, I was like, you know what? I don't know if it rumbles. <laughs> <laughs> but i had it on and i used yeah. it that's but. because when you hold the the when you hold the switch like this you often don't feel it right and then when was, you use your yeah. pro controller you don't get the it's same not. experience so yeah. it's only for people who hold the controller and even then it's you know it has to be designed for it i also think different things are important to different people right like rumble features have never really been really important to me like i you know when when playstation 5 first came out and i was playing through demon souls and people were like oh isn't it so awesome how you can feel like footsteps and things like that i was like i guess like i mean yeah that's fine i don't really pay attention to that stuff you know like i'm mostly trying not to die in that game but that's a different story i think it can absolutely enhance like individual moments though i mean i'll i'll talk about it here later but i finished up kentucky route zero last night and that is not a game that was designed originally for the Nintendo Switch, but in on the Switch version, there are several scenes where they use like different rumbles to do very specific effects that when you're just standing around in a still, dark, very quiet room with only a couple little sounds, suddenly feeling that jolt is like, okay, what what is happening? Oh my god, what is going on? Like it's it's cool. It can be really cool. I also just wanted to say, so one, two switch, I think a lot of people would have been less disappointed by it if it had come with the launch editions of Nintendo switch or yeah. were sold for 15 or $20 and not a full price $60 game. That was one of those games that would have easily been an impulse buy for me if it wasn't full price. Like I was, I went to Best Buy to pick up my Nintendo switch at launch with my breath of the wild. And I'm like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to pay the same price that I'm getting a Zelda game for, for, for this, that I, and at that point mm-hmm. I had heard that it wasn't worth $60. It wasn't great, but for 15 or $20, I feel like it would have been an easy impulse buy for a lot of people around the time that switch first came out. But I don't know who, who am I to say how much it costs to make that game. So <laughs> this year I decided I actually wanted to like follow hockey a little bit more than just the most casual of casuals. So I subscribed to a service that streams all of the NHL to your 
television, uh, the Boston Bruins home opener. I went to watch it and boom, blackout restrictions apply, which I thought was kind of ridiculous because I'm still 200 miles away from Boston, but whatever. Had I had NordVPN, that wouldn't have been a problem. I would have just gone in, changed my settings to another geographic area, and boom, I could have been watching all the Boston Bruins home games like it was nothing at all. So now I have NordVPN, and I can watch the home games of my local teams streaming without being frustrated. It's the same thing with like Netflix. It has all these complicated licensing rules, which from one country to another don't really make sense. So something you could watch on South Korean Netflix, you won't be able to watch on the United States Netflix unless NordVPN, boom, switch to South Korea, and you're watching whatever Korean drama that you want I highly recommend you do that. I haven't done it myself, but people seem to enjoy them. And who am I to try to bring down people's enjoyment? Uh, NordVPN, more than just entertainment and sports availability, it's going to protect you, especially when you're traveling, when you're using public Wi-Fi. People are trying to get in there. They're creeping on you. Bad actors, people trying to steal your password, your bank account details. Who knows what the government's doing these days? I can't keep track. They're all over the damn place. NordVPN... It's going to protect you. It's going to protect up to six devices because I know you have at least that many devices in front of you right now that can hook up to the internet. Boom. Fastest VPN in the world. You're not going to get any buffering. You're not going to get any lagging. Uh, it's going to stop your ISP from bandwidth throttling, which they do. That's kind of sneaky, especially how much you're paying those guys. There's threat protection to protect you from viruses and malicious malware and whatever else. Uh, um unsavory actors are out there. If you want to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. That's nordvpn.com slash NintendoVC. Victor Charlie. Uh, that link is also going to give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There is no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nice of them, and I appreciate that. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. But everyone, thank you so much for sharing with me some games that you were disappointed by, but some alternatives that people could pick up instead. And I hope that was enlightening to all of you listening. But on to games that uh, aren't disappointing us monster hunter rise has shipped 4 million units in its first weekend and for comparison monster hunter world shipped 5 million copies in three days and that was across both xbox one and ps4 platforms and i also think it's worth mentioning i got this information from uh gibble game on twitter and according to him he's an analyst he says 90 there's a 94 percent 94 percent sell through in japan so that means 94 percent of the copies that were available in retail were sold that is a lot. 
That is a ton. <laughs> so we, I think we're assuming that this is going to continue to sell well, especially considering so many people have switches compared to how many had like PlayStations, for example. Um, yeah, good job. Mm-hmm. Good job, Capcom. It's uh, look, I, I, I think it is not early to say that for this generation, the console war is over in Japan. Um, it, it really is like the with Monster Hunter is such a hit in Japan. And it it was the one thing that really kept the PSP alive and performing in that territory. And like now it is a switch first um, franchise and I, it is going to keep on selling is going to keep on selling switches. Which, uh, you know, my daughter lives in Japan and she says, you just can't find them again. They're all gone. Um, you can't find the Amiibo for Monster Hunter. You can't find the, the special edition console. All of that is gone and wiped clean. And I think it's going to continue for a while. Um, if you look at the top 10 sellers for PSP and why that system survived, it's, it's filled with Monster Hunters. It's a monster yeah. machine. That's what I yeah. used it for. Yeah. Yep. There you go. And like now the Switch is becoming that. And if the Switch can get some of the other more, you know, bigger RPG franchises on the platform in, in, in a bigger fashion, I think it's just unbeatable. Yeah, I think we see that um, escalate as well. You know, whenever this mysterious, I, I feel like we talk about this every single time I come on here, but whenever this mysterious Switch Pro happens, you know, Monster Hunter is not a game that is one and done, right? Like they're going to keep releasing things for it like long term it's going to have a lot of longevity and so i assume we will see more monster hunter rise stuff to be paired with whatever nintendo switch pro what 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 did we agree to call it last time i don't remember Uh, super nintendo switch super nintendo switch sorry seth macy I'm sure uh, we'll. I'm sure yeah. we'll now get like it. It it feels like the alignment between Capcom and Capcom and Nintendo is only going to get stronger now. And like I f- if I feel like we'll get more in Smash Brothers and we'll get Absolutely. more cross promo like that. I'm surprised we don't have more in Smash Brothers already. Yeah, I mean it's, they've worked with they've worked with Capcom before with Street Fighter characters and stuff. So no, but more probably Monster Hunter. It'll yeah. it'll it'll happen. It'll happen. <laughs> And one more thing on that: the week that Monster Hunter Rise came out, uh, the Switch hardware sales went up uh, two hundred sixty-seven thousand, up from eighty-nine thousand the week before. So, was It'll... that because of Monster Hunter? Quite possibly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, pretty interesting. I'm sure we'll talk more about Monster Hunter when we get to games that we're playing. But yes, we moving on to the next topic, why digital games could totally dominate physical formats in just a few years. This was an article written by our show assistant, Logan Plant, and he spoke to a few industry analysts, including uh, Dr. Sir Kentoto of Content Games Inc. over in Japan. And there are a lot of really interesting tidbits in there, but the overarching idea is that, yes, COVID-19 caused a huge acceleration in the trend of digital games selling way more than physical copies. However, it is not the causing factor. It has digital games have been selling more year over year, every year, regardless of COVID or not. And I know that Pear and Reb have a lot more to say about this topic. I mean, if I can kick us off, it's it's obviously it's it's one of those steady trends where it's a it's a when story, not an if story. We've seen the PC market completely transitioned from box copies to being digital, right? Like Mm -hmm. Steam is the biggest store for games in the world, not GameStop uh, anymore. And uh, uh, the console market has lagged behind. Mobile gaming happened where there never was a physical angle. And so mainstream audiences 
already accustomed to buying their music digitally and then subscribing to Netflix and streaming their movies more and more digitally rather than buying discs. Uh, they were already there and it was the console market that was lagging behind. And now there's this big shift. One, there's uh, subscription services like PlayStation Plus and Game Pass, right? So that's already easing uh, gamers into the concept of not having a physical product or direct ownership over something uh, in, in in physical form. And then there's cloud gaming on the horizon, which has not been adopted yet at, at mass. It is going to be a billion dollar business this year, even right out of what, like $180 billion total games, uh, software business. And, uh, it'll, it'll keep on growing for, for, for sure. But, um, I, I do think the coronavirus situation sped things up and Rebecca, I would love to hear your opinion on it, but like in December, uh, CD project red said that, um, uh, cyberpunk sold like 12.2 million, no, 10, 10.2 million copies digitally and 12 million something in total. And it's just, it just shows you what a big part digital is now of, of total game sales. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. And it's, uh, you know, having done, you know, a couple of years of business journalism and having have looked into this for a while, you know, it, I was looking into like the comparison between last generation and, you know, the, the last generation of consoles launching and then this current, this recent console launch and like where the digital share, like where, where a company like take twos digital purchases were versus physical purchases, you know, when mm. the PS4 came out as opposed to now. Um, and I don't, I don't have numbers like written down in front of me, but the difference in for companies like take two EA, you know, it's, it's stark. It, we're talking like, like 20, 30% of purchases digital back when the PS4 came out versus like 60, 70, 80% right. of their purchases are digital now, like game purchases. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's the the thing that I think always comes up in these conversations is that people start lamenting the death of physical. Um, but I think I think the thing the little the giant asterisk that needs to be appended to the end of all these discussions is that physical is not going away. Um, the reason the the main reason why we are I mean you're you're right pair that like you know fr- removing friction has you know enabled people to become more used to digital purchases and to migrate in that direction generally. But the biggest reason we're seeing so much um, in the, in the digital realm now is because there are just so many more options, right? Like we do have steam now. We didn't have it, you know, however many years ago, we do have all these digital storefronts, um, you know, cloud services, all these other ways to make digital purchases and people are making a lot more digital purchases, but they're also just making a lot more purchases in general, just across the board, all the numbers are going up. So share wise, digital share of purchases is like way higher versus, is physical but everything is up total like people are still buying more physical games than they were however many years ago just because there's more to buy and people you know are more aware of games and more people are into gaming now and there are still numerous territories around the world where digital is less of an option for whatever reason and physical is still the primary way to buy games and that probably isn't changing anytime soon so i think like just whenever this topic comes up, I see, you know, people who kind of aren't really engaged with what it is to, you know, get worried that physical games are just going to vanish. And that's, that's not the case at all, but it is the case that we're going to keep seeing more and more digital avenues and people are going to keep getting used to it. And, you know, it's, it's going to keep being big and bigger than physical. As long as there's a just dance game still coming out for Wii. (laughs) There's not, they stopped. (laughs) That's that's it. All right. Moving on. No more. Yeah, no, but it's honest. That's completely true. They're obviously different audiences, and we we old people can still buy vinyl. Um, there there is a way for there is a way for publishers to make. Who are you calling old? Oh, 
I didn't know. I didn't I've know got, I've got vinyl. that pink things are that pink. Look I'm at me. Even, Look at me. You, you oh, yeah, know you're that right. I bought vinyl. No, like, no, I, I, I apologize to all the <laughs> young but that, people. No, but that's, that's inadvertently a good point, right? Because, yeah. you know, the, the up and coming generation that didn't grow up with vinyl is into vinyl as well and that's why we've got you know folks like i am 8-bit and limited run and stuff like that who are able to do these limited editions of physical games because people are really into that in like a collector sense as well totally and and we're you know there is obviously a a special edition market still where you buy Mm -hmm. physical products we are seeing a lot of special editions now with with download codes in them too though right Mm -hmm. like you used to buy the monster the monster hunter console for example that's a that's a good example right it doesn't have the physical game in it it has a code for you for the ultimate edition there you go um i also hate that it came with a digital code because I don't know if you are a big Monster Hunter fan, a big enough Monster Hunter fan that wants this because you're a Monster Hunter fan. Odds are you probably want to play Monster Hunter Rise the second it comes out, which you cannot do. You couldn't do if you got this and we're waiting for the game to come with right. the system. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, just because you'd have to wait until, you know, the actual day to go pick it up. And then in this case, a lot of them were delayed. So you couldn't get it the actual day it came up. You had to wait after launch weekend. And like, and then you'd be like me, I who would just buy the digital version, and now I have an extra code, and I don't know what to do with it. I'm so. sorry, like this sounds like an AA meeting. Not that I would know what that's like, but uh, I I had ordered the uh, the box with the uh, the amiibo pack in, so I had one copy, and then I got my second with the console, which I sent to my daughter in Japan, and I don't think she's studying anymore. She's just playing now. That makes sense. Yeah, like Monster Hunter or something. Is that the vibe I'm getting in here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but no, same. I have I I was prepared. <laughs> I have two extra copies of Monster Hunter. Because <laughs> I got I got the collector's edition and I got the Nintendo Switch. But I'm sure all of you know I also got an early code so I could do my job and write guides on it. So but that's fine, it was worth it. <laughs> It's worth this Magnamalo <laughs> amiibo. Um, the other, the other amiibo, are really hard to find, by the way. Oh yeah, impossible. I, I super regret not getting them because the layered armor you get with those amiibo are very cool. I got uh, them. I'm, I ordered them from Japan because like GameStop just can't get this stuff together. I should have done that. Oh well, it's okay. Also, to report also about Monster Hunter Rise that the the special Monster Hunter Stories amiibo from the first game does not do anything special. And Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, wow. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah. That's okay, though. That's like a whole other topic, but like Amiibo are increasingly becoming only for the game they come out with, mm-hmm. as opposed to like the early days when you could just use them in like every game. Yeah. Like you wow. can still totally. use them to do a lottery, but it doesn't give you anything special for it. It doesn't rec- it doesn't even recognize that it's a it doesn't even give you that like, hey, this is a Monster Hunter Amiibo. Good job. I don't I even get that. I don't even get that. I want my pat on the back. That's where Mario <laughs> Mario Maker was so cool, where you'd scan an amiibo. And I'm like, I bet this doesn't work, and it did, right? Like it it unlocked mm-hmm. something special um, in the in the past. But the age of amiibo has gone. There's so many now. Mario's dead. It. Rest in peace, Mario. Yeah. Oh God, that too. Um, now we're totally off topic, but that's fine. Uh, how about that CNN article about how people were believing that Mario was actually going to die that was interesting that was so cute they did they, they, the writer <laughs> did not understand what a what a meme was yeah. the writer thought that people are actually worried and not just kidding around 
No, there will be more Mario games. There will be more Mario. <laughs> Mario is not dead. Honestly, I mean... <laughs> Does it remain to only, be seen? Only time will tell. Yeah. Mario's dead, and this is now Waluigi Corner, thanks. That's right. Right. And, man, speaking of things that are being canceled, like Mario, <laughs> PAX East 2021 has also been canceled. Um, the organizers are cautiously, cautiously optimistic for PAX West and PAX Unplugged, and as an alternative... Another PAX Online convention will be held July 15th through 18th, and an indie showcase will take place between now and then. We also already know that E3 has officially been canceled this year as well, right? However, is it, wait, has it not been? No. Why did I hear about that? The physical event. No, it'll be digital. And Comic-Con moved to November, Comic-Con moved to November Thanksgiving weekend. What a bad choice. (laughs) Uh, And it'll be in in person. I hate it. Gamescom will be both, digital and uh, people like a hundred thousand people. Oh, Gamescom is still it's still happening physically this year. Yeah, in Cologne. That is much later. That's cool. We'll see if anybody from outside of Germany can get in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That too. Mm-hmm. Also, the Pokemon World Championships were canceled this year as well. Even though that normally happens about a week before Gamescom. <sighs> the hits just keep on coming, folks. Yeah. It's like yeah. I wanted to go. To, I wanted to go to London. Pokemon. It's okay. But that is about all of the biggest news topics that we have to talk about this week but there are a few games coming out this week are there any games coming out this week that any of you specifically want to give a shout out to nah all right then very quickly uh star wars republic commando is coming out april 6 um breath edge is also coming out april 6 it is i i feel like i don't need to explain star wars republic commando if you like star wars Go read about it. Um, <laughs> uh, Breath Edge. Um, the description for this is survive in outer space, craft tools, pilot vehicles, and even control space stations to survive and explore the wreckage. Breath Edge is an ironic outer space survival adventure game. Uh, you take <laughs> you take on the role of a simple guy called Man, who is just carrying his grandpa's ashes to a galactic funeral and suddenly finds himself in the middle of a universal conspiracy. Wow, that that what a day what yeah i i, I remember our, our reviewer did not love it i think that was a okay. five out of ten game but i i saw wow. a lot of positive sentiment on uh, on steam when it first came out mm-hmm. on pc it sounds interesting mm-hmm. and the other one is uh do you guys remember knockout city we heard about it in a nintendo direct a little while ago and it's kind of like a a dodgeball party game and the crossplay beta is starting from april 2nd to april 4th that actually so looked cool yeah, yeah, it does look cool. I'm, I'm going to play this this weekend. Um, the game launches on May 21st, so it's your time to get a, get it in early. And I already mentioned Tie the Tasmanian Tiger 2 Bush Rescue HD, which is weird. I don't know why that game is so coming weird. out the Switch. No, it's actually, it, it was it good, good, though. Right? No, I remember that. I mean, sure, it's like a fine game, but it just seems like, I remember it, like a few years ago when they, they remastered Voodoo Vince. Yeah. Like, this is like a similar vibe where it's like, I, that game? Okay, I, I, I guess. The, yeah. the Thai games are notable, first of all. They they are made in Australia. It's, it was Chrome Studios made them, and they were kind of Australia's rare. They're, it's 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 a good game. It's just when those games, even when those games came out, people went, oh, no, we're back to the old, like, Arrow the Acrobat, which was also right. good. Uh, mascot games, right? And, like, it, it kind of felt a little out there, but the game's actually good. Mm-hmm. Actually good. love a good mascot game? Mm-hmm. So on that note, that is about all that is worth mentioning this week. But we are playing games this week. So let's start it off. Zach, what are you playing? Monster Hunter World, baby! Rise. Playing I rise. said world. Oh, I blew it. Uh, I no, blew it's okay. It. 
I have questions. I was gonna ask why that, but Red, you can edit that out. You can just you just dub me over here. Watch, I'll do this. Rise, just dub that in. (laughs) Um, so uh, Monster Hunter has never really been a thing for me. Like I, I've tried. I tried first with Monster Hunter Three, and then I tried with uh, Generations Ultimate, and I tried with World, and you know I played five to 10 hours and just dropped off of each of those just never really made I just never really clicked um and i was not going to play rise like i wasn't interested in it i had already determined like i'm just you know i'm not going to do all that and then everybody i'm in a discord and everybody in that discord was like "Ooh, this monster hunter rise games pretty good everybody you could check it out so i played the demo and enjoyed the demo enough and i was listening to uh our our friends on the ign uk podcast and joe scrabbles who's also a big monster hunter guy was saying that monster hunter hadn't really clicked for him until he played with somebody that it was like a you know monster hunter pro and showed them the ropes and taught him everything about you know hunting and etc etc and just explained all the stuff that the game probably should explain but doesn't and so I realized that I had been approaching each of these games like, oh, I'll do all this solo stuff until I figure out enough of the mechanics that I feel comfortable playing with a group. When in actuality, it makes so much more sense to just jump in with people from the get-go. And um, I've been playing with uh, Tom and a couple of other folks, Mondo from our syndication team and a uh, a couple other people here at IGN, Matt Kim. And Tom, because he reviewed it, he's been playing it for so long, is just this like wealth of knowledge and has been so awesome because he's just like, yeah, just ask me whatever pops in your head, like whatever questions you have. So the four of us have just been like asking him, peppering him with all these questions and stuff. And he's been like a really great mentor on Monster Hunter stuff. And last night we were playing and we were hunting some big monster, I forget who. And then Tom like runs in riding another big monster and was like they, <laughs> they started fighting and then like we're all like chopping this guy and they like i just like i said aloud i was like i love this game like this is yeah. incredible and yeah i probably played about 15 hours of it so far and uh i'd say 75 80 percent of that has all been co-op you know like like <laughs> squatted up and i'm i'm really really into it and it's I feel like I've accomplished something because I'm like, finally, Monster Hunter is starting to make sense to me. I'm even trying different weapons. I, I got some new armor and I feel like I look really cool. Like it's it's a happening, you guys. It's all happening. I'm very excited about this game. And it, it's come at a really great time too because I feel like in the last few months, I've had a really hard time sticking with any game. Like I've played a lot of stuff and bounced off of it. Um, just because, I don't know why. I don't know if it's, you know, gamer fatigue or what, but... Um, yeah, this one I think has some real sticking power. So, so I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I have to, I have to yet play and team up online. Um, hopefully this this weekend. Yeah. Uh, my first, first of all, I did not like the demo. I thought, you know, I thought it held promise, but I didn't. I just kind of felt lost and like I didn't feel the kind of sense of progression that you would feel by playing a full version of of a game like this. And so it kind of left me cold. And then I started this game. Um, playing by myself and I was just struck with the the world and how charming and everything is and how silly the freaking dungle cats are and all of that right like in the in the the singing twins and whatnot it's just it is a really kind of cool unique world to do this like fantasy world rooted in 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 Japan like this um I was hooked by that 
And then I ran into the wall of Capcom UI. And like, the, <laughs> seriously, like you can play other games where using a grapple is something that you do once and go, I get it. And in Monster Hunter, you're like, why didn't it do the same thing just now that it did before? Like scaling a wall in another game with a grapple makes sense. In this game, it doesn't. Like maybe it will someday as I keep playing it and learning the game systems more. But the onboarding is is whack right and i and i know and i know the monster hunter series has been more foreboding in the past and this one is meant to be the most accessible one but it's like i said on twitter like the game systems in this game have their own game systems that have game systems like it's just you're not learning about a system and then as you progress you're learning how deep it'll go they throw it all at you they're like oh this thing and this thing and then you write the monster and then you kind of wrap it in string and you do this thing and then you run into a wall and my head was spinning and then i just said screw it and i'll go explore and i'll do some of the introductory missions and i'll just run around and i'm like oh an egg and then i pick up the egg and it goes hey remember you can you can grapple while holding the egg i'm like cool i'll do that i do it and the egg is broken <laughs> i'm like hey what you just like, what kind of tool tip is this and i'm like and i get i'm like all right i'll go get get another egg and then like as you explore at your own time rather than feeling this pressure of this like 50 50 minute monster hunt like then it started to click with me and i can tell i'm gonna like this game and i can tell that the the real purpose is to team up with friends and for somebody to say, oh, I see what you're doing wrong. You have to hold these four shoulder buttons, press X and Y, and then go into the menu and equip the Haku Haku, and then it'll work, right? <laughs> Dude, so I- This I, is I, why I don't play Monster Hunter. I, I think it's even worse than that, though. Like, I don't think that they throw, I don't think that they throw too much at you. They just don't tell you shit. Like, sorry, like they just don't tell you anything like you can do some tutorial missions and stuff but like they do not explain 90 percent of the stuff in that game and like i've been playing for you know coming up on 20 hours now and uh last night i walked into an area just by accident that i had never seen before and it was like here's a place that you can completely customize and make your own and here's how you do that and i was like what this is like a whole other game within this game that like i had no idea was even here like it doesn't you're right it 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 does throw a lot at you but it doesn't unfold it naturally in the course of learning the systems it's just like yeah go it's like every other game you start a mission it goes pick your loadout this game like you start the mission you start the mission and you're like wait my loadout and then it's like, gotta, well, you got to go to the box. And it's like, where's the box? Oh, you got to remember the box is on the second floor. And that, you know, it's like. There's a bunch of boxes. There's so many boxes now. And that's the other thing. It's a game that's, it's a game that does this to you. It goes, oh, you can do this thing this way, but you can also do it this way and this way and this way. It's like, no, one way. Pick one way. <laughs> Do y'all like Monster Hunter or no? I, I, I sound like a soldier returning from the front lines, huh? Uh, I love Monster Hunter. But, um, it's just, no, as somebody who's played games for, you know, all his yeah. life, some of the things are just confounding to me, like the choices. And, like, I there's a certain charm in that, in that, like, they just don't give an F, you know? Yeah. I, did you Did you guys do all of the tutorials? Yeah. Yes. Of course. And do the they tutor- do they know if they did all the tutorials? Would okay. it tell them? Yeah. There's, there's a tab called t- tutorials, like training missions. <laughs> so. so, 
Look, look, I did one of the tutorials where you have to, you learn how to ride another monster into battle, which is a really mm -hmm. cool technique, right? Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, you can do that in Zelda by just jumping on top of the monster and it works. In this game, that's not how it works. Mm -hmm. Freaking complicated. Like even like figuring out whether you've put down a trap. I'm like, did I, did I do it? Did I not do it? Wait, what, what's going on? What, what are these strings flying out of my butt? But it's like, <laughs> I did the tutorial for the monster writing and it says select this thing and then i'm going like what do you select it i'm bringing up all these menus and then it took a long time for me to figure out that it's the little menu in the lower right and in order to scroll through it you don't do what every other game does which is left and right buttons it's like what is it a and b you um you hold the l button yeah to, to bring it up and then you can use a radial menu but before you can scroll through the items but but why is the direction in monster hunter not Left and um, right, or D-pad left and right. Why is it literally the buttons you use for actions? That's a sort of, sort of UI thing where I'm like, why they do I think that? it's so that you can continue moving with your mm -hmm. with the with your left stick because yeah, if it maybe. was, if you were going through your menu with that, then whenever you wanted to go through your item pouch, you would then not be able to move, yeah. which would be impossible while fighting a monster. You have to yeah, still be able I think, to move. I honestly think that so. that's pretty intuitive because you can you can roll away and then scroll through your menu while you continue to like play a little defense like i, I you know i'm it, playing a lot of sword and board and it's like really nice to have an op opportunity to like put up your shield and like get a potion going while this mm -hmm. monster is charging in the opposite direction and you know like yeah makes sense later it's like it's this but it's that that shell shock like that that someone like me who has not played a lot of those games and i played on 3ds i played with jose um online and i was like oh yeah i can see i can see how this is cool but it's very very confusing but it's like in every other game it's like left means go left in a menu and right means go right in the menu and i think with monster hunter they just ran out of buttons and so it becomes these like shift key hold this down in order to do this thing and literally as you said it's like it's got a radial menu and you have to customize it that game doesn't help you right it doesn't say now customize this it's like meh just whatever and like locking on in every other game, you hit a button and your character locks on. In Monster Hunter, it's like I feel like you have to file a petition. Yeah. So I, a, I had a real there's argument. There's a setting about for this. that. Yeah. <laughs> I had a real argument about this one night because like we were playing and I was like, I I'm clicking the lock on and it says that I'm locked on. No. But the camera does not follow the monster. So what good is that? And then you didn't uh, we were playing fill out the TPS report. I was playing well, I was playing with Ronnie, one of our producers, who's like a monster hunter expert apparently and he was like yeah you can go into the menu and set it so the camera actually follows in a lock-on but a lot of players don't prefer that because sometimes the camera gets stuck and it's like who cares i want a lock-on to lock on and so i'm playing it with the that version and it's very good i should also say that i played with um red the producer of this show who is also a monster hunter expert and he is using a hunter horn, hunting horn which is yeah. gross and i don't like those what what I, why was weird. he using a kezu hunting horn I don't remember if it was a Kesley one or what, but what what you but no, not it wasn't the okay. One. I did fight Kezu last night though, and I have a lot of questions. But what are your questions? It's why? Gross, right? Why he's so yeah. gross? Why yeah. does he look like that? He's so gross. It's cute. It's a very popular monster in Japan. But what you Zach, what you described, I think, is the reason why I haven't gotten into Monster Hunter earlier. It's like the game is tweaked for people who've been with the franchise from the beginning, right? Like mm -hmm. people over time said, eh, I don't like the camera system. So Capcom then goes, fine, you know, like there is no camera control now. Like there's no automatic camera. 
And then you have to go into the menus, into the many, many menus and find it and turn it on. And then you can't lock on to like a small monster either, right? There's no, you can't. like, it's it has to be like a little one with a, a big one with a card. And it's just like, it, it's a lot for a new player to take in. And I'm I'm confident I can handle it, and I'll get used to it. But man, I was laughing at this game. I'm like, why? Why is it like this? <laughs> I Here, think, we should play so, together. We should play. Also, yeah, yeah. I, I would like to play with you guys. Yeah, let's do it. Also, um, Red, also, you get in the mix too. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Y'all have not <laughs> sold me on this. <laughs> okay, Red, look, here's the like, thing. Here's the thing. How funny is a that? Lot of like, things... oh, it's so good, and I love it, but also no. it's bad. <laughs> okay, look, a lot of things that they have problems with i think is a plus side at the other end of the tunnel <laughs> like once yeah, you do I'll, yeah, I'll learn the basics and the thing about rise is you can get by a, the village quest in rise not knowing a lot of the things that there are to know however because there's so much depth and so many different things to learn that you're constantly discovering new and exciting mechanics and new things that you can do and cool little things so you slowly build up your own things you don't need to be an expert to progress through the single player but you slowly become that expert and it, be, it is incredibly rewarding to do so so you might not know exactly how the wirebug works when you first start rise but you start learning things as you play or if you go and like read the read the tutorials like really in depth or go and watch some videos and then you come back to it and i've gotten so much better <laughs> and Folks, I, I think i play world of warcraft casey i i don't think <laughs> i have the bandwidth for another That's a game thing. that i have to put yeah. 100 hours into to understand i've already got one of those <laughs> i'm like 15 hours in and i feel yeah. like i ten, i kind of understand it i feel like i'm get i'm gaining good of solid knowledge base of it you know yeah, it reminds me it reminds me of a really complex tabletop game where you have you yeah. know you look at the board yeah, and you've got all these comparison. all these markers four different tracks that measure time and you know advancement of civilization and all that and like the first time you play it you're like whoa and if you have to if you if you have to figure it out by yourself it, it it's very daunting but yes. when you get friends together you learn by doing it and then a couple of games later you got it and these games are really awesome and rewarding and fun i think I honestly think Rise does just enough to get you the basics to get started and to kind of like stumble along through the village quest because they did make them significantly easier, which will let you learn kind of more at your own pace. And I think the tutorial in Monster Hunter Rise is done when you hit the credits, which is about 15 hours in. So no. <laughs> that's no. not the end of the game. It's a lie. I have no idea why they put the credits there. It's very strange. Um I know Zach's face because, right now is like because what? it's up, obtuse and they what? love being obtuse and weird. Yeah, they've never weird. done that before. They never just like plopped the credits and like <laughs> before you even reach high rank, like low rank. I don't, why? I don't know, but um, <laughs> I do agree with Zach that I think playing the game with someone who's already a little bit versed in the Monster Hunter series is the best way to get into it that is how i did it that's how a lot of my other friends before me did it and we kind of always everyone always passes on their knowledge to the new group of hunters later it's and like, i think it's like that hunting dynamic in real life. is so you great gotta have somebody take you out and show you how to do it yeah, yeah. man I, I i love that but first you have to figure out how to play with friends online it's, you just kind of talk to Sunry the mailman. So it's much, super easy. So much easier in this game than it was in mm -hmm. World. Like so yeah. much easier. But, yeah. But why isn't there just one quest board? 
What? Uh, well, because there's like there's the multiplayer quests, there's oh. multiplayer hunts, and they'll, yeah. they'll scale right according mm-hmm. to how many people mm-hmm. are in your your squad. Yeah. Um, and then there's the the solo ones, right? Yeah. So you got to talk to all sorts of different twins and cats, and you got to talk to the them. same. Lady or you can yeah. bring up you can bring up the hub board and join from wherever you want on your D pad. I guess that's your point. Like you can do uh, things in a bunch uh, of different ways. But- Rebecca, <laughs> Rebecca, I'm really glad that your cat has joined you for this portion yes. of the podcast. <laughs> what while, a beautiful palico! So that you oh, so that you have something to entertain yourself while we rant about Monster Hunter. This is absolutely warranted given how uh, Seth and I went on about Bravely Default a while back. And then oh, yeah. the, the prior episode where I believe me, Casey, and Miranda didn't shut up about Pokemon. Um, so I, it's, you know, it, it's a cycle. We all, you know, I, I'm glad you all love it. It's it's absolutely not for me. Absolutely not the kind of thing okay, I look, play. That's fair. But that's fair. You're not going to slay My partner don't. is super into Monster Hunter. And have him shepherd you through it. I don't want to. That's fine. That's, <laughs> fine. That's fine. That's but I'm fine. glad That's you all so love fine. it. I really am. It's it sounds like a really good game for people who are into that. Like like awesome. Okay, and if you do, uh, wait, hang on. What about this though? I got a sword that's made of a bone from a monster that I killed. Yeah. And does now that, we can go and fight even stronger monsters. Does that does that sway you at all? Uh, I'll probably go play Fortnite and hit people with a like a skewer with a bunch of pancakes on it. I guess, you know, I guess you can get raptors in Fortnite now. So, like, just yeah, all the other dinosaur games off off the eShop. You don't need them anymore. (laughs) I'm kidding, obviously. Um, But with that, that is about all the time that we have left. (laughs) Rebecca, I'm Mm -hmm. so sorry you did not get to talk about Kentucky Route Zero. (laughs) We'll come back. And if you are very interested in Monster Hunter but feel like it's daunting, you should check out my beginner's guide to Monster Hunter Rise on the IGN wikis and 24 things Monster Hunter Rise doesn't tell you. It will answer, I think, maybe 70% of your questions and then you'll be good to go. Yesterday, very good. 24 things, 2,400 things. And also 56 (laughs) essential tips and tricks. Mm-hmm. that you need so to know um, <laughs> we could have kept going we could have kept going but with that in mind that is about all the time we have left for nintendo voice chat remember you can catch our show every thursday at 3 p.m pacific time on your favorite podcasting platform or on youtube ign's game channel and remember nvc is the only place you can get the thing get the bone sword Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.